I can't say that there were culture shocks, but did it take getting used to? Of course, you know, living in a, a different country. And also there are some Americanisms that are kind of stuck with me that maybe don't uh, work as much in, in Croatia or in Europe as I might have expected. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. On this episode, our special guest is Helena Hercegovina Molten, a former professional soccer player who represented Croatia on the national team in both soccer and futsal, and now coaches and works towards improving participation in women's soccer in Croatia. Helena was born in Los Angeles with Croatian and Jamaican roots and moved to Croatia, where she graduated from the University of Zagreb and got her master's degree. In this episode, we're going to hear about her move to Croatia, her career there as a player, and how she's developing Croatian soccer programs now. Helena, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hi, well, thanks for the invitation. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, before we get started, I have something you know very important that we have to clear up here. Should we be calling it soccer or football since we're both from L.A.? Uh, it comes out as soccer sometimes, but the longer I've been in Europe, the more I turn to calling it football. Yeah. All right. Well, then in this podcast, we'll we'll call it that. I actually the same same thing for me. I've been actually I think just yesterday was my two year anniversary in Croatia. And I've been I mean, no, go man, well, a baby still a baby. I've been here yeah. for 11 <laughs> <laughs> 11 years you've been here now yep wow well let's talk a little about the um the beginnings of that so you have sort of an interesting um heritage can you talk a little about that and then sort of you know growing up all right well uh for starters my mom is croatian and my dad is jamaican and the both of them met in los angeles so it's an interesting story right off the bat um i was born in los angeles but i wasn't there for very long afterwards we moved to jamaica was there for a few years and then we moved to the U.S. and I basically grew up then in the U.S. between North Carolina and Florida, lived in Miami, also spent a year in Canada and then back to Miami before coming to Croatia. So I'd visited Croatia as a child just like I'd visited Jamaica, um, but I only started living here after I made a more permanent move um, once I finished high school. So mm -hmm. at that point I was already playing for the U19 national team and I was traveling from Miami to Zagreb and to Croatia to play qualifiers for European and uh, World Cups. And then I guess I was intrigued. I kind of thought, you know, at 18, if not now, when, you know? And then uh, I just kind of took the leap over the pond, as they say, and uh, started living here in Croatia. And things just, you know, came after that little by little. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Yeah, that's quite the story. A lot to break down here. Uh, I want to ask, how did, how did your parents meet both in Los Angeles? You know, I actually interviewed a few, maybe like six months ago, uh, Richard Gruitza, and he was born, uh, I, for, I forget, but he also had Croatian and Jamaican roots. And I was, I remember oh, really? thinking, wow, he's probably the only person I'll meet. And and then was born in, in the U.S. or like raised in the U.S. I was thinking, oh, that's probably the only person I'll meet like that well, but shout out to Richard right now <laughs> yeah that's pretty crazy um yeah how did your parents end up both in Los Angeles and meeting there uh my mom left uh, Zagreb to go to LA to finish uh university or an extra university study and then she started working and my dad had left Jamaica also for university in the U.S. and then started working and that's where they met at work hmm. and then so growing up did you feel sort of one identity more than another or were you sort of moving around so many different places that 
you know, you, you felt a mix of everything? Um, honestly, I didn't think about it too much. I love Jamaica and I still love Jamaica to this day. I love spending time there. I loved growing up there. Um, I, the U.S. to me was associated more with school because I always had to go to school, but also with football because I played there um, and I was in love with my club team. Uh, Kendall Soccer Coalition was the name at the time in Miami. And then, you know, that age 14, 15, 16, 17, I was uh, really consumed with that. Um, but I, I can't say that I've always felt uh, more American or more Croatian or more Jamaican, just kind of, you know, a mix of all of that. Yeah. Were you surrounded at all by Croatian communities in any of the cities growing up? Not one bit. Not no. one bit. Just, just my mom. She used to speak Croatian with me when I was younger and uh, I was, I kind of rejected it because it's, it's quite a hard language, hard language. Um, and I wasn't too interested until I actually started coming here. And then I realized I could use it. And then luckily since she spoke Croatian with me, I just kind of had an ear for it. And uh, then when I moved here, I learned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a very tough language. That's for sure. What were your yeah. thoughts then going into that move? You know, was that a, a big decision for you? Um, well, maybe since I had moved several times growing up, I wasn't too scared. Um, it was definitely a big jump, but I just kind of, you know, since it was my decision, I felt ready for it. I, I wasn't, you know, uh, scared off by anything. So it was fine. Mm -hmm. and when did, as far as uh, football goes, when did you start playing as a kid? Yes, around like age five in the U.S. At the time, we were living in North Carolina, actually. And, you know, football is normal for girls in the U.S., so I'm not entirely sure why I chose football. I just remember playing and not stopping. <laughs> uh, and did you always feel um, a pull towards a professional career in it, or is it just something that, as the years gone by, you, you said, oh, wow, I can play this professionally? Yeah, more the latter. I wasn't expecting anything. I was just kind of playing and loving it. And then as time went on, I just kept going forward with it. Mm -hmm. And so your first, you were playing for Dinamo the, um, for what, two years? Was that your first sort of international professional? Uh, yeah, I started playing for Dinamo when I moved here. So Zagreb, right? Because mm -hmm. it was one of the biggest clubs, uh, obviously for men's football, but also for women's football, there are two major clubs here in Zagreb. And um, was it, I guess that is my first international team because before that I was playing in the U.S. Um, and now how many years I'd have to kind of trickle back and, and, you know, think about how long I was playing. It was more than two because I was doing my bachelor's degree at the time. So I was in Zagreb for three years. Uh, I, then I started playing futsal at that time as well, and I was playing for the national team. Um, and after that, I went to Poland, and I was playing in Poland for Medikonian, um for half a season. And then I had decided to do my master's degree, and I came back to Zagreb. Mm -hmm. And then I was playing in Slovenia. I was living in Zagreb and playing in Slovenia for Janika Pomoria. Oh, wow. So you were commuting? Yeah. Um, how long? How? By train? I know they have a pretty good uh train line driving yeah you know. drive. how long i had a car drive? yeah uh, about two hours and 15 minutes wow i mean i guess that's sort of like working and living in la and going through that the worst of that traffic. Uh, 
<laughs> a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. But definitely unusual in in Europe and in Croatia, especially to to have that. Yeah, it was a good club. It still is a good club, and I played for another two years, eleven v eleven, and then I stopped with eleven v eleven football, and I continued playing futsal up until twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. What was the experience like playing for the Croatian national team for the first time? Oh, well, it's an honor to play for your country, you know. Um, it's kind of hard to d- explain even. It just felt like you're part of a bigger cause and you're contributing to something bigger. So uh, it's also nice to experience that with other teammates. And uh, really on the field, all you're, you're just doing your best. So it, it, it's, you're playing the game. And at that point, you're thinking about the game um, as much as possible and representing your country as best you can. Mm-hmm. And then, so at the same time, you, you were playing futsal as well for the Croatian national team? Yeah, well, there uh, in the beginning, there wasn't a Croatian national futsal team. That came a little bit later in 2018 was the first competition for uh, the national futsal team. And I was playing then. So I was playing for Alumnus, which is, it was a men's futsal club at the time with a women's team. And now it's a women's futsal club. And we were playing in the first women's football league and then uh when the national team was formed uh then players from the first women's football league were the first to uh represent their country uh for that team and i was part of that pod. wow so you were on the very first ever squad yes wow that's pretty cool what what's the difference um in terms of i mean obviously the playing the, the field is different in terms of football versus uh, futsal. Futsal? Oh, everything's different. It's a different game. It's a different game. The ball is smaller and also heavier. The field dimensions as well as the surface is different. Uh, the goals are smaller. Uh, obviously, it's not 11 v 11. It's uh, 5 v 5. So the movements are different. The tactics are different. Uh, you know, at a higher level, it's safe to say that everything is different. You know, it's a different game. At a lower level, futsal is usually recreational. Mm-hmm. And so do you prefer professionally, did you prefer playing one or the other, or is it sort of is just two different games for you? Uh, well, during my career, there was a more professional environment for 11 v 11. Futsal is still, you know, a, a growing sport here. And it's um, hard to say much about the professional futsal environment because uh, it's still at an amateur level. So at that time, you know, in order to be more professional, it would have been in the 11 v 11 game. Um, Now, you know, things are changing with time, both futsal and and women's football here are becoming more and more professional. So for some younger players now, that kind of, uh, the answer to that kind of question will be different. Yeah. Well, clearly futsal is a lot newer um, in Croatia, but Generally speaking, for women's football, what's the what's the status of that in Croatia? Is it popular? Um, is it becoming more popular? Yeah, definitely becoming more popular. There's a lot more money going into women's football. Um, so it's really a work in progress. Uh, the leagues are uh, becoming bigger, more uh, younger players getting into football, more clubs then uh, competing, competing. Uh, all in all, you know, it's still working on mass participation. And then with time that goes up, 
in a pyramid kind of shape towards the national team. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing more, I don't know, more media coverage and, and a bigger push, you know, sort of in the media to, to push women's football to become, you know, bigger definitely. than it Definitely, definitely. I mean, it could always be more, you know, everybody wants more, which is legitimate. All of us want more and it's good to push for more, but uh, with time, it's getting better. Does does the men's team at all support in any way? Um, I mean, I don't know. Just any shows of support from from I guess the the men's teams in Croatia or leagues. Uh, sure, men's teams are actually um, obliged to contribute to women's teams. It's part of a licensing program uh, within Croatian football and uh, the federation. So they have to either have their own teams or contribute to women's football. Okay. Well, I know you were supporting uh, the men's team. I think I saw that you were in Qatar for this uh, last World Cup. What was that experience was for you? Phenomenal. I mean, it was Croatia versus Brazil winning in penalties. Uh, it's, again, hard to explain how uh, that kind of experience sticks with you. Um, it was great. It was definitely, It was definitely something I'll remember for a long time. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, it, for me, that was one of the best experiences of my life being in Zagreb for the Croatia-Brazil game. And, you know, when we were down 1-0, everyone was so quiet and like you could hear a pin drop, literally. That's the first mm -hmm, time I mm -hmm. like, understood that expression. And then when, was it Petkovic, I think, scored the, that goal and everyone, it was just so crazy. It was surreal. And yeah, I yeah, imagine, yeah. You know, it's a rush of emotions, yeah. That's nuts, yeah. The women's world but cup it's funny because the stadium was filled with brazilian fans really so all of a sudden you know there's a saying in croatia uh i'll say it in english even though it's not the best translation but there's not much of us but we're here you know uh, and, and that's kind of what you think of in that moment because there weren't many of us there in comparison to the brazilian fans but you could really feel our energy are you tired of feeling like a stranger in your own home? Do you long for a sense of belonging and community? Then it's time to consider becoming a citizen of Croatia. With Citizen HR, the Croatian citizenship app, you can make this dream a reality. At Citizen HR, we understand the emotional weight of citizenship. We know it's not just a piece of paper, it's a feeling of belonging to a community, a sense of security, and a connection to your heritage. That's why we've made it our mission to make the process of becoming a Croatian citizen as smooth and stress-free as possible. With Citizen HR, you'll have access to experts who will guide you every step of the way. From filling out forms to answering questions, we'll be there to make sure you have everything you need to apply for your citizenship. One user on the App Store, Kate KC, said, Easy to use and great selection of experts available, and gave us five stars. So, if you're ready to take the next step towards citizenship, and to find a sense of belonging and security in Croatia, download Citizen HR today. Because at Citizen HR, we believe that citizenship is more than just a legal status. It's a feeling of home. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.citizenhr.app today. Use the code ALLTHINGSCROATIA for 50% off any biography translations you order. Yeah. Is it what? Is that the Malonasia Alnasima? Alnasima, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I love that song. Yeah, that's such a surreal experience, I'm sure. Um, mm -hmm. you know, speaking of the World Cup, the Women's World Cup is this summer, this year. right? This yep. year. What are you doing to prepare? Well, before we start talking about that, let's let me ask you, you know, when did you start coaching and and how did that um what teams are you coaching for? Um, I started coaching
coaching in 2016 when I finished my UFOB coaching license. Uh, at the time, I was coaching for two clubs in parallel, uh, Curva Coach in Croatia. They were uh, launching a women's team, so I helped uh, get that started. And then afterwards, I continued to run that academy, which is also where I am today. Um, whereas I was also in Zagreb Nula Chetrijedan, which is a club that promotes um, equality. Uh, and, and at the time, we were starting up a program to help uh, refugees get integrated into society here in Croatia because it was a refugee crisis. So I was also running that program for them. Um, so I finished the B license in 2016. I've been working as a coach since then. Uh, I've also done the A license now. So uh, once I finished the A license, we launched uh, Zinica Savica, which is a women's football club. So what came out of that female academy um, from Curva Coaching has now turned into a women's football club here in Zagreb. And that, those are the teams that I manage and the club that I manage. Uh, but I also work with the national team as an assistant coach in the U17 and U19 women's teams. Mm -hmm. And do those, do the U17s and 19s play, do they also have a World Cup? And does that go on at the same time as the uh, professional team? They have their own cycle of qualifications and tournaments. Mm -hmm. And is that coming up this summer as well? Uh, well, they have qualifications. So actually, starting this week, we have qualifications with the U17 national team. And then it really depends what happens after that, whether you qualify or don't qualify. And the U19s have their qualifications at the beginning of April. I and see. those tournaments are every year because in reality, your younger age groups have new players each year right as one um age kind of someone who is u19 or u17 right now at this time next year might not be able to uh play for the team right because then they have to go into the next uh selection so then for the younger age groups you have tournaments yearly okay so you have quite the busy schedule then managing all of that yeah who who are some of the the powerhouses in in um, Europe as far as women's soccer go? Because because I think the U.S. probably has the best women's team, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, if we're talking about the professional level, then yes, yeah. you know the, the uh, first team, the U.S. are obviously dominant. They won the world the last World Cup, uh, as is Netherlands dominant, right? Because they were in that final. So you can really you know look at the uh, World Cup as some kind of uh, mirror as to what teams and what countries have gone the furthest with women's football and investment in women's football up until now. Mm -hmm. But European countries are quite high, you know, also there are European cups, obviously. And now there's going to be a, a new competition as a like women's nations league, um, how they're the same as theirs for the men's side. So a lot of competitions, a lot of, which is good because that's really how women's football develops in reality. Um, a lot of countries investing and teams are getting better. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's cool to see that the women's football as a whole is is um, increasing in popularity and as far as, you know, tournaments and things like that go. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about the UEFA Playmakers Disney program. You know, can you talk a little bit about what that is and how you're involved with that? Okay, well, UFO Playmakers is a fun and interactive program for girls uh, between the ages of seven and eight 
that's the target group and it's meant in collaboration with Disney and Disney movies to attract girls into football into um, being active in general but also with a football so it kind of gets them um, animating their favorite characters from favorite movies and uh, interacting with picture books and uh, uh, football equipment and then in the end, you know, after doing fundamental movement skills and learning about life skills, there's also that football component, which uh, hopefully leads them to fall in love with the game and then continue playing afterwards. Oh, wow. uh, just to con completely answer your question, because you also asked how I'm involved. So ahead of the Croatian Football Federation, I'm the project manager for Croatia. We have 30 centers within the country and each center is running uh, 20 sessions a year. So 10 sessions or a season, 10 sessions in uh, the spring season, 10 sessions in the fall season, and girls from all over the country are welcome to um, participate in those sessions. Wow. So you're the you're project managing for all 20 of those locations, all of Croatia? 30, yes. Wow. And when did that? So we have people at each center who are, you know, uh, responsible for that center. Hmm. How many are in Zagreb? There are, uh, so we have five regions within Croatia and each region has six centers. Oh, okay, wow. So the the region of Zagreb has six centers from Gorica to Pregrada and also three within Zagreb. Mm -hmm. And is this program something that just this year started? Well, I guess 2022 started? Last year, last year. And then do you see any... Is there any plans to sort of uh, make that bigger or to expand or is it too new that, you know, right now you're sort of testing the waters with, with these programs? You well, have? it's going quite well, actually. There were in the last season around 900 uh, unregistered girls um, who are participating in the program. So those are all potential players later on uh, if they stay in football. And now we're in the second season. So we're just kind of uh, following along to see how it's going to go and we'll see what happens in the future if we can continue we'll try and continue huh. so it sounds like you've been getting you know good feedback uh, good results from from the program so far yeah well uh, in women's football especially you really take all the help you can get um, if you can attract you know for some clubs one or two players it's it's meaningful so uh, the clubs are doing their best all the ones that are involved are doing their best to attract uh, younger players because the younger they are when they get involved in football the more chances you have of them you know learning the skills on time and being able to compete later on if they'd like to and um, you know the amount of effort that each club puts in is really uh, a mirror of what they can get back. Mm -hmm. uh, is the program um, sort of a competitive football program or is it more just you know absolutely not UEFA has done uh, research that has showed that girls uh, love sport, but also football because of a more social aspect than competition. So they like to hang out with their friends. Uh, they like to play games. They like to just, you know, interact with other people much more than they really want to compete. So the, the program written by UEFA in, in um, cooperation with Disney is really just about being fun and interactive for them so that they enjoy the sport and then as they get older if they want to compete you know the clubs that are associated with the program then have a place for them to compete i see so then the goal is just just get more girls in general involved and then those exactly 
you know, play at a competitive yeah. level can then go on and do that. Are there a lot of avenues exactly. for, for girls to play competitive football, you know, younger girls in Croatia? Is there a lot of... A lot of what? Sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Younger girls, you know, say they're 10, 11, you know, older, too old for the program. Is there a lot of teams that they can go uh, play on after that? Uh, sure. More and more, you know, uh, a lot of these teams are also opening new groups so that beginners can join regardless of their age. So there are more and more options really for girls in any region of Croatia. Um, just to reach out. out if they reach out we can always find somewhere for them to train yeah uh, well I'll give you an opportunity now to sort of shout out um, if there's a website that people can go to or um, you know if you have any social media handles or anything that you want to sort of shout out where people can can reach you and reach these programs at yeah of course the Croatian Football Federation has uh, a section on the website of, of the Croatian Football Federation where they can go to the grassroots section and pick uh, USO playmakers and they can register for the program there and there will be drop down windows where they can pick what region they are in and then get information on the closest center. Um, and if you wanna share my email, that's also perfectly fine if anybody wants to contact me and I can help them find uh, a club or a new opportunity. Awesome, yeah, I'll definitely include all these links uh, in the podcast description. Uh, so people can click on those as well. Uh, Helena, you know, speaking back on a personal level, did you have any culture shocks moving to Croatia? Or is there anything now that you miss from, you know, other parts of the world in Croatia? Um, not really, but that's mostly because I was introduced to Croatian culture as a kid already, you know, through my mom and through uh, vacations here in Croatia. Uh, while I was younger, so I can't say that they were culture shocks. Um, but did it take getting used to? Of course, you know, living in a, a different country, and also there are some Americanisms that are kind of stuck with me that maybe don't uh, work as much in in Croatia or in Europe as I might have expected. So, um, in general, it's more of an adjustment than a shock. Uh huh. Can you give an example of one of those Americanisms? Um, well, let's say, uh, financially, uh, U.S. banks function in a certain way and European banks don't function in the same way. So there are some things, I mean, it might be a silly example, but let's say ATMs, you know, ATMs in Croatia have only really now started including the deposit, uh, Mm -hmm. option where you can deposit money at the ATM where that's something that in the U.S. has been you know just kind of a usual thing at every ATM so there are that's just I mean it's a silly example but those are the kind of things where like certain things function differently there than they do here but I can't always say that it's better there than it is here you know it's just different different yeah yeah I agree yeah you know that's an interesting example I've never thought about that before but now that I have yeah that makes sense I Huh. Yeah, it's always those things that you don't even think about, like that you just notice all of a sudden, like, oh, this is weird. This is yeah, yeah. Not like back home or back in the U.S. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, but I have a great appreciation for Croatian culture, really. I, I, the people here are very warm. Uh, the food is great. I have a liking for, you know, homemade food. And uh, America, in that sense, is a little bit too commercialized and industrialized for me, so... Um, in order to stay away from the processed food, I prefer being here. Um, and, you know, that kind of 
more laid back, um, I guess, focus in life is, is also different here than it is in the U.S. Uh, so I have I have a liking for Croatian culture for sure. You, you mentioned the food. I just recently learned that a lot of um, like food that's sold in the U.S. is banned, like due to European Union uh, laws and like certain ingredients and stuff that they put in in food in the U.S. You know they can't sell that here. And it's yeah, just... just processed. Yeah, I don't like yeah. that part. I mean, you can't escape it in the U.S., which I think is ridiculous. But. Mm -hmm. What's some in general, I mean, that, that those kind of things also happen in Europe. It's not like, you know, Europe is exempt, but uh, certain regulations are just a little bit better in that sense. Yeah, yeah. What's some of your favorite food to eat? Homemade food. Uh, everything homemade is good for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if it's domachi, then it's exactly, good. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, Helena, I know you're really busy. You have a super busy schedule, but is there anything, do you have any free time? And is there anything else that you, you like to do in your free time? Uh, not very much free time. Uh, at the moment, life is consumed with football, whether it's uh, for the Federation or it's for Zinica uh, Savica or it's some kind of um, initiative that might be beneficial later on. You know, everything is about football. So as much as I enjoy it, the downside is that there isn't much free time, but when I do manage to have free time, I like to kind of the usual normal people stuff, hang out with my friends or, you know, relax, watch something on TV or, you know, on Netflix and Disney plus <laughs> <laughs> the usual, eat some good food, spend time with family, sometimes travel, you know, just the usual kind of uh, things people like to do to settle mm. down. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Those are nice. Uh, Helena, I want to thank you, you know, so much again for coming here on the All Things Croatia podcast. It was really cool to hear from you. I hope, you know, what what little I can do to, you know, help promote women's football in Croatia and these programs that you're running, I, I think it's great. Um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, what the future brings for you and for these programs. It sounds like it's already only one year in um, as far as the, the Disney, um, UEFA Playmakers Disney program goes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's doing good things. So, I just want to thank you again for, for coming on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks so much for your time too and initiative. Um, I'm always happy to share experiences, especially if it goes towards promoting women's football because the more the better. And uh, I'm glad to have one more supporter and hopefully uh, as this podcast goes live, even more than that.